Once again, there is a word from the Lord today. Let me give you my purpose for this sermon before I even get into my text. My purpose is to get us to understand the importance of family. And not just family, natural family, but spiritual family. To get you to understand that there was an awesome price that was paid just for us to be in the, the, God's family. There was a sacrifice that was needed. And so we should cherish, listen here, the family of God. And we should conduct ourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ. There should be nothing that's in this church that should be dividing us or separating us. We are family. And so my purpose is to get you to understand and to, to really get you rooted in that. Because sometimes I think that we take it for granted that we are family. Now we're saying that, let me, let me take my text. My text is going to come to you from, from Genesis. Once again, chapter 32. We begin our verse, uh, uh, reading at verse number three. Say amen when you have it. Genesis 32, verse three, it says, And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus say your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. And I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, and female servants. And I have sent to tell my Lord in order that I may find favor in your sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau. And he is coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. Verse 7, then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people who were with him. And the flocks and the herds and the camels into two camps. Thinking that if Esau comes to the one camp and attack it, then the camp that is left will escape. And J Jacob said, oh God of my father Abraham and the God of my father Isaac. O Lord, who saith to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. He says, I am not worthy of the least of all of these deeds of steadfast love and all of the faithfulness that you have shown to your, your servant. For with only my staff, I have crossed this Jordan and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me and the mother with my children. But you said I will surely do you good and make you offspring, your offspring as the sands of the sea, which cannot be numbered for the multitude. From this passage of scripture, I'd like to take for a thought this morning, a family reunion family reunion. In light of the Davis family's family reunion, this sparked with me, but not only that, but it also sparked in the fact 
that I began to survey the church and how the church is supposed to be a family. There's been much that has been said and done with regards to families. Families are critical to any society. As a matter of fact, families are pretty much the bedrock of any community, any city, any state, yes, and in any nation. If you want to see a nation or a society that is in decline, it is usually preceded by a decline in the family. Because family is important. As a matter of fact, family was God's design. It was not necessarily man's design. It was God the one that created man and put him in the garden. It was God that said it is not good for man to be alone. It was God that put Adam to sleep and took from his side a rib and formed the woman. It was God that gave them the commandment to be fruitful and to multiply. All of this suggests that God is in favor of family. As a matter of fact, God demonstrates his family relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. For it says that Jesus is the only begotten of the Father. And the word Father is a relational term. So in other words, God's design for us in being created, created in his image, in his likeness, is to be relational. And so we do that through family. Family is important. And here, here's, one, here's one of the things that, 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 that mama always told me is that she said, she said Terry, you can't pick your family. There, 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 there's some folk in the family, you, you know, you, you wish you could just put them out the family, you know, but we can't do that. Because it's by God's design. And understand that everyone that is in the family of God or in your family has a purpose for the family. And even though we may see that the, the negativity in some folk, there's always some good that they bring to the table. We just have to scope it out. We got to bring it out of them. But most times what we do is we, 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 we get these preconceived notions about people. We begin to think the negative and the worst about people. When they begin to demonstrate negative behavior, we think that that's all they represent is negativity. We think that they're just toxic behaviors and we need to avoid them and to stay away from them. But even Jesus understood the fact that, that, that when there's one that leaves the family, when there's one that walks away from the family, he said that I will leave the 99 and go after the one. In much of the same way, brothers and sisters, that's what we must do. We must understand that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, that God birthed us into this place. We're not here by our own accord. As a matter of fact, the Bible said that we were predestined to be in Christ Jesus. We're predestined to be in the family of God. And understand that God chose us. We did not necessarily choose him. We were chosen before the foundations of the earth. God chose us to be in his family. So much in the same way you cannot pick your natural family, you can't pick your spiritual family. And just like in natural families, we don't always get along. We don't always see eye to eye. And so there, there, there's some time that there's going to be some conflict inside our families. 
But understand that, that that family is family. Family will fall out with one another. But families should always, always support one another. Should always look out for one another. That's what the family used to be. It used to be if you, if you really want to be loved or, or, or feel the love, just go home to family. I, I remember as a little boy going back down home to Mississippi. We, we, we get in Mississippi at 3 o'clock in the morning, and my aunt would be up with breakfast cooked for us. We'd be on the road all day, and she'll, she'll, she'll have everything. Now we're going to Mississippi. Ain't nobody up at 3 o'clock in the morning. You got to beat on the door to get in. I asked myself, whatever happened to Southern hospitality? Sorry, but it's not there anymore. That's what we did as family. The reason it seems as though we're having so many problems, family-related problems in the church, because there's some family issues outside of the church. And what we've done is we began to mimic what we're doing outside, with outside family, and we're doing the same thing on the inside. Because now, love and compassion in our families outside are being replaced with gossiping and bickering, with bantering, with isolation, with cliques. And we come inside the church and we try to mimic the same thing. We choose the people we want to be associated with inside the church. Like it's by our own accord that they're in the, in the church anyway. Understand that everybody that's in the family of God got in the same way you did. They had to walk down the same road you had to walk down. They experienced the same mercy and the same grace that you did. And the reason being, because none of us were perfect. All of us had our issues, our situations. And some of us are still dealing with some of those issues and situations. But there is grace for it. Because we were born into this family of God. The scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth should not perish but have everlasting life. We were born into this family and we are God's children. Now understand that, that the only ones that are God's children are the ones who have been saved by the grace of God. We have this wonderful relationship whereby we call him Abba Father. That's what Romans tells us. That we have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. Listen to what he says in Romans 8 and 15. He says, he says, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. So not only were we born into the family of God, but we've been adopted into the family of God by the spirit of God. Did you not know that the spirit of God acts as an adoption agency that takes your life, your raggedy, messed up, mixed up life, and takes it, cleans it up, and puts you in the family of God? We cannot take credit for any of it. It's all by what the spirit of God has done. But we get to the place where we, we, we think that we've come in on our own accord. 
like God really owed us this. But understand, brothers and sisters, God does not owe us anything. Everything that we get from God is by his mercy and his grace. As a matter of fact, if there's anything that we deserve, it is hell. It is sin. But he gives us his forgiveness. He gives us his love. Why? Because family is important. Not just outside of the church, but it's important on the inside of the church. And the reality of it is that we will not be able to fix one without fixing the other. And it all, it all comes down to how we treat one another. Yeah, this is the road I wanted to come down. How we treat one another. Listen here, you say that you love God, whom you cannot see. But, but you hate your brother who you see every day. How can you say that you love God? How can you say that you have this love God? The Bible says that that's the evidence that you are been, have been born again. It's how you love the brethren. So ask yourself, how were you loving the brethren? Listen here, I, I didn't say how often do you tell the brethren you love him. How much, how, how often, how are you loving him? You see, because love is sacrificial. So, so a better question is, when is the last time you sacrificed for the brother? Hello, somebody. When, when is the last time you, you, you sacrificed and you become selfless for the brethren? When, when, when is the last time you gave up your right for somebody else's wrong? When, when is the last time you preferred others better than yourself or esteemed them higher than you? When is the last time you've done that? These are critical questions that we need to ask ourselves. Because that's what the church and the family of God looks like. It's a life of service. It's a life of loving and serving one another. It's a life of sacrificing. And so in our text, we see this. What we see in our text is not necessarily the family reunion. That'll come next week. But what we see in our text is the preparation for a family reunion. And if there's anyone that prepared, has prepared a family reunion before, you know the challenges that you face. You know late registration, not paying the money on time, getting the caterers and everything together, getting folk to cooperate. It's a challenge. In our text today, you have two brothers. As a matter of fact, they're twin brothers. They were brothers that were at odds even while they were on the inside of their mother's womb. The text tells us that, 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 that God tells them, uh, 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 Rebecca, that you have two nations, not just people, you have two nations that are growing within you. Two mighty nations. And so when Rebecca gives birth, she gives birth to the eldest, which is Esau. The Bible said that Esau was a red man. He was an outdoorsman. He was a mighty man, a hunter. He was a pursuer. And he was the apple of his daddy's eye, Isaac. 
Isaac, being the son of promise, had received the promise that was given to Abraham, his father, and the twins' grandfather, that he would become great and that the world would be blessed through his seed. And so Isaac, being the son of promise, would pass down this blessing to one of his sons. And it just so happens that there's two twin boys that are growing in this womb. Isaac chose the older one. The older one was Esau. The younger one's name was Jacob. Jacob was a quiet man, home-bodied man. Whereas Esau perhaps took woodshop in high school. Jacob took up home ec. But it was Rebecca's favorite. For it says that Rebecca loved Jacob. Now understand this, understand this, this is, and this is key here, because God does not always take the best qualified. He doesn't always give in to the tradition of men. There, there, there are some, sometimes that God will go off road a little bit. And he'll take the lesser and make him rule over the greater. And this is what God did. He said, he said, he said, he said that, the, that the older shall serve the younger. This went against everything that perhaps Isaac had thought God would do. Because quite naturally, as being the oldest, it's Esau, the one that, 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 that Isaac loved, had what was known as a birthright. A birthright is, it was a right that was given to the firstborn. Get this. Was given to the firstborn. And what it gave him, it gave him authority and leadership in the absence of the father. It was a very valuable piece of possession. But the scripture tells us that, that while Esau, this favorite of Isaac, was out hunting, he stayed out there a little bit too long. To the point where he became exhausted. And he was hungry. And when he came in, Jacob was doing what he knew best, cooking a meal. And to satisfy his flesh, Esau relinquished that which was spiritual and would have given him authority for a bowl of soup. He gave up what would give him power and control over the nation. For a bowl of soup. He gave up his birthright. But listen, brothers and sisters, this, this, this is only this is God's will being enacted. This is God's will being done. Because God had already prophesied that the older shall serve the younger. So it had to flip-flop and to switch. But needless to say, now he's without his birthright. The other thing that the birthright gave him, it gave him a double portion of the inheritance. And so for just a mere meal, he gave up so much. Well, we do the same thing, right? Just for a few dollars, we'll give up on the spiritual things of God. 
We'll give up on learning about God. We'll give up on coming to Bible study and to Sunday school. We'll give up on coming to church on Sunday because they're going to pay you double time. Just, just to satisfy our flesh. But don't you realize that there's some greater thing that God has for you, brothers and sisters? There's some great thing that God has in store for you. But listen here, you've got to get right. I've got to get right. We got to realize that he is the father. He gives us our instructions. They don't come from me. I've proved how I can wreck a life. I've already proven how I can mess up a life. Anything that you see here today is because of the grace and the goodness of God. God has brought me from a mighty long way. And I'm glad about it. But listen, listen, if that was not bad enough, that he stole or he took his birthright, he didn't steal it, he gave it to him. Isaac is speaking to his favorite Esau. He tells him, he said, I'm getting old. He said, I want to bless you. So I want you to go out and I want you to get some meat, some savory meat. And I want you to cook it for me. And after we've eaten, I'm going to bless you. Well, Rebecca, hello somebody, is sitting somewhere listening. Something about a woman's ear. She's listening. She hears what he's saying. And she realizes that this blessing that, 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 that uh, Isaac is going to give him would be what he needed to lead the people. And so she begins to concoct a plan with, 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 uh, with Jacob. Said that your father is going, going to bless your brother Esau. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to put some hair on your arm because Esau was hairy. And I want you to go into your father that he might be able to bless you instead of blessing your brother Esau. This introduction is getting long, so I'm going to move this along, okay? And so, and so, and so what happens is that, is that he ends up blessing Jacob. So not only does Jacob have the birthright, but now he has the blessing to go along with it. This is setting up the family reunion right here. Because by this time, once Esau finds out Esau is mad. He is hot. And what he says to, 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 to Jacob, he said, he said, once daddy die, once daddy is gone, I'm coming after you. And I'm not coming to that we can, you know, play hip hopscotch or anything like that. I'm coming to kill you. And said, so once again, Rebecca is listening. And she hears this. And so she sends Jacob away, that he might dwell in that land with her brother, Laban. In the land of Laban, he gets two wives, two handmaids, and 11, 11 children. <laughs> He's a busy man. And so he finds himself serving Laban. Laban being a trickster. A slick guy. And here, 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 we see that Jacob is really getting 
what he got in return. Because, you know, Jacob was a trickster. And now the trickster is being tricked. And so he decides to leave his uncle Laban. His hand is filled with wealth. He has oxen. He has sheep. He has everything. He has a family. But he still has this fear. Listen here, brothers and sisters, you can have all the goods of this world. But if you don't have peace of mind, if you're still walking around with this fear, because the Bible tells that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But here in the text we see that Jacob still has this fear because he's remembered what his brother had said. It's been 20 years since he's seen his brother. 20 years have elapsed, but he still has this fear. 20 years of not seeing his brother or his father or his mother. And so he sends word. He sends these messages to his brother Esau. He tells him, he said, listen, I've got all of this cattle. I've got wives. I've got children. And all the messages come back with is that your brother Esau is on his way to see you. Except he ain't coming by himself. He got 400 foot soldiers with him. The text says that he greatly feared. He fears this situation. My question to you is that what, what, what is it that you're afraid of? What's holding, what's getting at you? Because all of us have our fears. It's just what do we do with the fears in which we have? How do we overcome the fears? You see, let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with having your fears. It's just when you let your fears stop you from doing what God has told you to do. As a matter of fact, did you not know that fear makes faith look good? Because when you can go despite what other people say, you shouldn't be going and you still go, that's faith. You can identify faith by the fear that the opposition that's up against you. So it requires faith. Listen here. Jacob begins to pray. He begins to go to the Lord. He begins to plead to God. As a matter of fact, Jacob begins to put this back in God's court. He said, you're the one that told me to go to this land. He said that you would, said that you would do good to me. But now here my brother comes. He's coming to kill me. He's coming to destroy what you've given me. And understand that God has got our back. He's got our protection. The problem with most of us is that, that we always think the negative first. Just like in our families, we always look for the negative first. 
But I challenge you today to think about God first. You see, because let me tell you something. One of the the heaviest burdens that you carry is in your mind. You always, we're always going to think what could happen. And we take the God factor out of it. The only thing we focus on is what we see in front of us. But the scripture tells that we're to walk by faith and not by sight. So really what, what, what Jacob should have been doing is preparing for a reunion with his brother. He should have been preparing to, 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 to sit down at a meal with his brother, much in the same way we do family reunions. He had not seen him in 20 years. But he thinks the worst. He thinks the negative aspect of it first. And that's what we have to stop doing in the body of Christ. Stop making our own assumptions about people. Stop looking at the negative about people. Realize that God is going to use all of us in here. There's every, everyone in here, there is a purpose for you being here this morning. There's a purpose for you being in the body of Christ. You just got to find your purpose. God has a purpose and a design. He had an assignment that has been assigned to your hand. There's only something that you can do. No one else can do this. God has assigned it to you. There's some folk that only you are going to be able to touch and to reach. And so stop thinking so negative about it. Let me tell you, in my, in my years of doing youth ministry here at Macedonia Baptist Church, I got all kinds of fellas that came through teen council. And if I was so quick to make a judgment on, on them, most of them would have left out of here and never returned. But I'm constantly running into young men who are young men now, they were teens at the time, that will tell me that, hey, because you stuck with me, because you didn't assume the worst about me, I didn't come in, I didn't, I, I, I didn't you know, pull them, tell them to pull up their pants. I'm just glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Listen, listen here, family, family. The only way we can stop the young people from running out is that we have to accept them as they are. We have to love them as they are. Because you must first catch a fish before you can clean the fish. And what I'm trying to do here at the Master Baptist Church, I'm trying to catch some fish. I don't care how scaly you are. I don't care how dirty you are. Because guess what? All of us were scaly and dirty at one time or another. I just need you to come through those doors and to sit and listen to the gospel message. And then I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will move upon your life to let you know that you need to have a Savior in your life. It's our job to preach to them. It is not our job to clean them. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. So we give them the word of God. 
We love them. This is critical. Why would we, listen here, why would we, anybody in their right mind want to come in here or in any church, I'm not talking about particularly here at Macedonia, but any church where people are mean-spirited, where people are condemning them and always finding fault in them. I'm saved and I don't even want to be around no folk. There are some things that has to change. We need to understand the value of our family connection here. And we're soliciting others, people to come in and to be covenant relational with us in this family. We can't do it being mean, being judgmental. It's going to only come through love. We have to demonstrate that love. And so if we're going to be the family of God, we must understand the tools in which God used. God instituted family. And he instituted the church on the day of Pentecost. It says in that that second chapter that, 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 that God gave to the church daily as such as the church needed. God added to the church. But understand this, brothers and sisters, he uses us as Christians that we might be vessels for his good works. And so we need to understand that we must share the gospel with this world. But more importantly, we must live the gospel to this world. We must show sacrifice. We must show love and compassion. Compassion is everything. How did we get to this place? God loves us with an unconditional love. He loves us with an everlasting love. He loved us so much that he gave his life for us. God gave the greatest sacrifice that we could ever get. And that was that he sacrificed his son, Jesus Christ. God watched and he seen that we could not do it on our own. And so he took himself the form of a man, came down through 42 generations, was placed in a manger. This was God's doing. This was God's plan. He sent his son Jesus that he might die for our sins. But before he went to the cross, before he died, he showed us how we are to live in this world. Jesus never condemned anyone. Jesus loved everyone. But he spoke the truth, and he lived the truth. And that was what we must do. Yes, he went healing the sick and raising the dead. Yes, he did. And they took him to an old rugged cross called Calvary. There he hung out on Calvary for your sins and for my sins. They nailed him in his hands and nailed him in his feet. Put a crown of thorns upon his head. Pierced him in his side. The record declared that he died. That Friday, they took him down off the cross, buried him in a tomb, but on the third day, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. That's the gospel message. That's what God did for us. Because he loved us. And so we must do the same thing. We must be willing to die for the gospel's sake. 
to present the gospel. Stop being so scared to go and witness to the people who are unapproachable. Because Jesus went all the way for us. He died for us. But good news is that he didn't just stay there. The Bible said that he ascended to his Father which is in heaven. And right now he's praying for each and every one of us. He's making intercessions for each and every one of us. Jesus is praying for us. And he's going to come back again. He's going to rapture his church. We're going to be caught up to be with him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm looking for that day. I'm looking for that day. Because there's going to be a, a great family reunion. That's the day we're going, to, we're going to see the real family reunion there. It's when we all unite in heaven. There'll be no more sin. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more police, no more fire engines. Why? Because we're going to be living with the Lord Jesus Christ. Please stand to your feet. It's important for us to...